We'll be looking at several different passages of Scripture this morning, focusing on on those. Um, one of the passages is taken from the Sermon on the Mount, and Matt, that's in Matthew 6. That's where we'll be reading from at least some that I'd like to look at, 1 Timothy 6 as well. Someone has mentioned that um, there is more, there are more scriptures that deal with material possessions uh, in the scriptures than there are of any other subject. Now, I, I don't make that as my statement. I'm only saying what I've heard several times. And... Um, just a number of things that had gone through my mind as I was contemplating that that um, that very thing, and I was thinking about why did God, why did God, um, place us on the earth, and uh, every day we handle tangible things, and but yet we're not supposed to get connected. We're not we're not to be. Uh, Connected to them in in a way that 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 starts um, overtaking our uh, our thought patterns, and that we just start focusing on that. And yet we have so many so many things. We're constantly dealing with those things. And what can we do? What can we do to fortify ourselves that we don't become materialistic? And just every day, the Bible teaches us that we are to work hard. And yet, there are teachings against not getting so involved in that, that we lose sight of the purpose of life. Um, I'd like to just do a little something here. Um, all of you that have... Uh, part of your family, your children at home yet. I'd like for you to stand with your families. Just stand. I want you to look around. I want you to just turn around and look at the amount of people that are standing. Just, just take a look. Maybe you can imagine. Okay. All right. You may be seated. Now the rest of you stand up. What's the majority? Most of you, you may be seated, most of you have family at home yet. Fathers, what's your responsibility to your family? Delvin, what is it? Well, you're thinking, I'm, I'm thinking about material things, okay? Now, now short. Okay. The scriptural injunction is to provide for them. What is the majority of your time spent at, your waking hours? Providing for them. So that means you have to work, right? And the Bible says that if you are lazy, if you don't work, then there's condemnation hanging over you. 
How do we find a balance in these things? How do we grab a hold of that? And I remember yet when when the family was well, all of our children were at home. And I remember there were times that I would come home from work and I would think, is this what my life is going to be like for the next 20 years? It's work. And so, if that's the majority of our waking hours we're involved in work, what can we do that we don't get wrapped up in that 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 actually tends to become the focus. And for some of us, and I, I, remember, I remember another thing. Well, there's a number of things that I remember about that. But I remember coming home on occasion. I would come home. I was tired. And then I was just looking forward to relaxing. Just to rest. And one of the first people that I would often, almost always meet was my wife. And uh, she had supper ready. After supper, she would say, I think we ought to go out in the garden for a bit. And if you remember Eva, you know, she enjoyed her garden. She really enjoyed that. And it showed. And there were times that she wanted me, after I had worked, maybe up to ten hours already that day, and then we would go out in the garden. Guess what happened? She would take me out to look at these things, and the next thing I knew, she would be picking up rocks. She wanted to enjoy the garden and wanted me to enjoy it with her. So she was picking up rocks. What did that do to me? So I started helping pick up rocks. On occasion, it actually kind of renewed me, if I have to be honest. But that was not what I really wanted to do when I got home. Okay. So life... Life in our waking hours is normally consumed with work. How? How can I, how can I then not? What can I do to fortify myself so that I don't become materialistic? Ever struggle with that? What can I do? I'd like to have you Turn with me to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, especially I'd like to read some Scripture verses here, where Jesus gave some very clear teaching about the, about the responsibility that we have and weighing what is the treasure of life. Where is your treasure? What is, in other words, what is the most important to you? While we're involved in this natural life, normal routine of life, working, how then can I fortify myself that I don't get so involved in that, that that becomes my life? Okay? Alright, I'd like for you to follow along as I begin reading in verse 19 of chapter 6. 
Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through, break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Just a breaking in here. Could someone bring me a drink of water, please? I, that would help me a bit here. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that's a key verse. I want you to remember that one. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. If thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that word mammon is material things. Therefore I say unto you, take no, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take, why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, Neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which is, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Thank you. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil Thereof, Do you think that the disciples and anyone that was hearing Jesus sharing these things, do you think it kind of jolted them? Do you think it really made them stop and think? Do you think there were any rich people there that heard this? Were there some there that were struggling with trying to find their way? What? How can I deal with material things and not get wrapped up in them? And so that generates questions in our mind. And you know what the tendency is? And at least I have this tendency is to kind of look at others and I think, you know what, they're kind of getting wrapped up. They're getting, they're getting involved in this. He works 10 to 12 hours a day. And he's not satisfied that with that. He works six days a week. And then when he comes to church, he just doesn't seem to be that interested. And so I, 
It's easy to judge others, but it's difficult to see ourselves. I don't know, am I talking about things that you don't understand? I think I'm normal. And so, do you... What were you thinking? It'd be interesting to know what the thoughts were in your mind as I was reading through this. When it comes to this thing, take no thought for the morrow. Was Jesus saying, don't plan ahead. And I know I'm full of questions. And I'm not done asking questions, but I want to, I want you to, I want you to consider these things. And isn't it easy, isn't it easy for us to judge one who does not, ah, see, how can I say this? Isn't it easy to judge someone whom we feel that doesn't put himself into his natural work like I do? You understand what, I don't know, maybe you don't struggle with those things. But there are so many things, questions that go into my mind sometimes. And how can I find where God wants me to be as a Christian? Those are the things that I really struggled with 25 and 30 years ago. And maybe even a little bit more, but I'm just throwing out a general figure here. But in the throes, in the middle of... And you saw the large majority of you that are here this morning are in the middle. You have your families at home. It takes... It takes money, right? And so, how hard do I work? How much do I put into work? What is Jesus saying? I take you now... Before we look into this in a little bit more in depth, I'd like for you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Very clear scripture here as well. Then I'd like to come back and pick up on some of these. 1 Timothy 6. I'm going to be breaking in here in verse 4. And at the beginning of the chapter, he is talking, he's talking about master-servant uh, relationship. And uh, verse 4, he breaks in, he says, he is proud, or the person who is, um, thinks he has all things together. Verse 4, he says, he is proud knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy. Strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that God, that gainliness is God, pardon me, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great. Oh, you're not sure about that. All right, verse 7. For we brought nothing... And you know, this is pretty pointed about some things that he's saying here. We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry how much with us? Hmm. Wow. Don't act like it sometimes, do we? Okay, having food and raiment, let us therewith be 
What does that mean? But they that will be rich, or their aim or goal is to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. You get that word picture? Someone that is rich, drowning? What do you think that looks like? I just want you to get some... I Maybe I'll just read some scriptures and then let you think about those. I'll probably have a few comments to make. All right. Verse 10. For the love of money is... What's the rest of the phrase? The root of all evil. My assumption is that he is talking about the things that he was describing the first part of the chapter. Okay? I want you to look at it in that sense. For the love of money is the root of all evil, or some translations say these evils, referring to the early things that he was talking about. Which while some coveted after, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is a blessed and only potentate in the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Have you ever wondered how this section of verses fit in with the what he's talking about earlier, about how we need to look at material things and how we need to respond to them, how much to be involved in them. Flee these things. This thing of selfishness, this thing of, of hoarding, just focusing on the material, and you become a materialistic person. That's your life. That's what it revolves around. That's what your time is spent in. It says, remember, God called you. God called you to be involved in a spiritual warfare. That's why you're here. And so, that's the kind of thing where you'll be facing it every day. So fight. When it comes to be... In fact, isn't he saying be militant? When it comes to this thing, how do I respond to the pressures... A material gain. He says, fight against it. Don't let it overcome you. Now, I'd like to read 
Again, starting at verse 17. And he's picking up this very theme again. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things. And here's how he's explaining. He's explaining how you can be rich. Here's what you need to be rich in. You may be poorer than a church mouse, but you can rich, you can think, you can enjoy things that will make you rich. Do good. Do good works. Be ready to what? What does that mean? When you distribute, what are you doing? What do you do when you distribute? You give it away. Right? It's interesting to me, and I was, I was reading this again. And he says, charge them that are rich in this world. He's giving them a caution. He said, look, Here's how you take care of natural, material things that you have. What's he saying you need to do with it? Give it away. Then you will be rich. Isn't that what he's saying? Give it away. Now, I'm not... If you have a savings account, I'm not thinking that all of you are going to go empty your savings account and walk around the city of Hayward and see whom you can can give it to. That's probably not. We need to be careful with what we have. I understand that. Okay. Here's what we need to do. Verse 18, that you do good, be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. And the word communicate also has the idea of giving away. Okay? Then, the result of that is you are laying up in store for yourself a good foundation against the time to come that you can lay hold on what? Eternal life. Now, what I'm trying to help you to see from reading these several portions, and I'm going to look at a few other things in relationship to what we just read here and in Matthew. What I'd like for us to see, that it is not wrong to be rich. Is he saying that? Some of you are not sure. Is not saying it is wrong to be rich. Some people have a lot of material means and have blessed. God blesses them materially and they just, they are extremely generous and are able to bless and help those who are struggling. Materially. And God can bless you. The thing that these scriptures are pointing out and are emphasizing over and over again 
is that if you are rich, you have a tremendous responsibility to be careful and faithful with what God has blessed you. Okay? And that means distributing. Okay? And so, and you know, maybe I'm going to be generating more questions than answers today, but I want to stimulate your thinking. And so when we have, when God blesses us with material means, God expects us to be faithful with that. We meet the needs. We meet the needs that we personally have and with our families, and then we are called to distribute. Okay? And bless others who have needs. Being rich in good works, part of the richness in good works is distributing, giving, sharing, blessing others. And that takes the wisdom of God. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. I'd like to just look at a few things from this passage here. What are the signs then that I'm getting materialistic? What are the signs that I am materialistic? First of all, verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures. The idea of that phrase is the hoarding at the expense. It's the gathering and keeping at the expense of others around who are in need. You follow that? That's laying up treasures. That's what he's talking about. And he's warning us against that. That's a sign if that's what your focus is. That's what you work for. You go beyond what God call, uh, beyond the reason that God calls us to work and to work hard to provide for our needs. And if your focus is different on that, you're laying up treasures. On the earth. What do you do with the treasure? What are some of the things that you do with the treasure? Isn't it easy to go back and look at a treasure? When you treasure something, you like it, you like to see it. You like to handle it. And then it makes you feel good, right? Ah, this is mine. That's your treasure. There are things that I have. There are things that I have that I kind of like to go back and look at once in a while. And then I have to remind myself that is an earthly treasure that I have. Now I can give that, I can give that to someone in my family. But, you know, then I tell myself sometimes, I can give it to somebody in my family, but there are eight children, now whom do I give it to? It's just, Maybe that's a trivial thing. So I can give it, I can give it away. I can give it to somebody else. And I look at my children sometimes and I think, I think, I think sometimes some of them have more than I do. But you know, this thing of laying up treasures, it has so many implications. The more we lay up, the more difficult 
it becomes, and here's what can happen. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your what? Your heart. What does that mean? Contemplate that a bit. Where your heart is, it gives us, gives you the idea, that's what I focus on. That's what happens when I focus on accumulation and laying up. And that has that tremendous, tremendous temptation to focus on that. And it becomes an extremely valuable to me. But it's something that is not everlasting, not eternal. It's not lasting. It'll fade away. But then my heart, what are some of these, what are some of the indications that my heart is set on something? I like to show it off. Look what I have. Look how much I have. I worked hard for that. It's a treasure. We, we, we set that up and we want others to see what I have. It, it captures it just captivates us. There's where your heart will be. And we build on that. Verses 22 to 24. It's interesting that Jesus talks about the eye. The purpose of the eye is to let light into the, into the, into your system, into your head, so you can see. Okay? And so he's saying, when we focus on the material, it's like double vision. Okay? We only have this one source of light into the body. And what can happen is that if we try to focus on two different things at once, now it can be either cross-eyed, it can be, what's the other, wall-eyed, I don't know. That doesn't sound right. But anyway. But you know, try to focus on something here and try to focus on that. It drives you to distraction. Okay? And that's what he's saying in a spiritual way. That it creates. We focus on the material and still try to be careful that we focus on the spiritual and God and all those things. It creates double vision. And he says, that creates darkness. The implication is, it's confusion. The fourth thing, in verse 25, it produces worry. Take no thought. The, the, the intent of that phrase is, when it says, take no thought, it's overthought. So that your mind is so occupied on that, that it pushes out the spiritual, okay? Worry. Overoccupied. It bogs you down. It, it leads to obsession. A lack of trust and faith. And just a few things from First Timothy yet. It brings, I'm going to turn back to that and you, would you please turn back to that as well? 
First Timothy chapter 6. I'd like to just notice a few things that Paul is saying that can happen when we focus on the material. When we become materialistic. In verse 5, supposing that gain is godliness. And I, I tried to wrap my mind around that one. Isn't he saying here that it can get you to the place that the more that I have makes me look more spiritual to others? I'm not sure. I'll just freely admit to you, I am not sure what all this is saying. It could mean, I'm only saying this could mean something like this as well, that there may be the point where someone in a given congregation focuses so much on the material he's been able to, you know, accumulate and accumulate, that kind of thing, and we equate that, he must really be spiritual because God is really blessing him. You know, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we equate that with being spiritual. Uh, that's the only thing I can come up with. But accumulation is a reward of being godly. And that's not the case. In verses 9 and 10, Paul warns against about desiring or just Longing to be rich, striving for it, loving it. It's an insatiable desire just to, that's what you start focusing on that. That's one of the, that's one of the results of just putting yourself into the material. Verse 17 mentions two things that can happen. And one is pride. See what I, by my hard work, the time and the effort that I'm putting into it, look at this reward. And also in verse 17, it's this thing of misplaced trust. How then? I'd like to look at these same passages and then see what Jesus had to say about how can we avoid that and this is mainly just spiritual, you know, principle. This is principles to guide us, to help us. And we don't have time to make these at least too much practical application here, but I want you to notice some of the things that Jesus is saying. Going back to chapter 6 of Matthew, verses 21, 20 and 21, the emphasis there is sharpen your focus only on one Thing. Focus on the eternal. And I want you to, I want you to think about the word focus as I pick out these things in this passage where Jesus is saying, here's what needs to be happening. Your focus must be singular. Okay? Remember we talked about that double vision? Your focus is single, singular. Single, your eye, your eye is focused and your life is focused on pleasing God. Looking at God's riches that He holds out to us. Those are the eternal things that we can be 
rich in, and God wants us to focus on. Singular, singular focus. In verse 24, he talks about the singular service. Our, our, our service is towards blessing others in a spiritual way. So it's singular service, not just a singular focus of, of, uh, on the eternal, but it's, our service is singular. We are here to serve God, to, to please Him. And as we focus on that, those other things will fade in the distance. Verses 19 to 20, we focus on a singular treasure. It's a treasure. Remember how I said what's important to us? That's what we focus on. That's what we talk about. That's what we aim at. Singular treasure. What really is the most important to you? The material things you have? Your work? Or is it the spiritual blessings that God gives to us? And verses 27 to 32. Control your thoughts or your thought patterns are singular. So you keep that. You keep that focus as it ought to be. Not overthought on the temporal things that fade away, which leads to worry. Singular in thought patterns. Verses 33 and 34. Singular in pursuit. Okay? Now I know all these, all these all kind of just add one on top of the other. But the pursuit of life, if your, if your focus is singular, if your service is singular, if your treasure, you, Singular treasures, if your thought patterns are singular, and the pursuit, you know, your pursuits are all involved in this singular. You are called for one purpose in this life, and that's to glorify God, of course. And that's very broad. But, in the things that we are involved in, It's singular in pursuit of God Himself. Verses 33 and 34. Let God do His work in your life. And then that prepares you to do your work and be a blessing to others around you. Just a couple comments yet from going back to 1 Timothy 6. Then I'll bring this to a close. 1 Timothy 6. Verses 5 and 6. The point of the less of these verses here is that we need to be content. We do our part. We are diligent in our work. We are faithful in our work. We are doing our best to meeting the needs of our family and then as we can to reach out and meet the needs of others around us. 
that should bring a real measure of contentment and satisfaction in our lives. The pursuit of the material is a sign that we are not contented. And that, be- that becomes the focus. We lose our contentment because when I focus, when I focus on the material rather than the spiritual, and I pursue that, it usually ends up that it never really satisfies. But when I am focused of, of, of living my life to please God and I focus on the spiritual, and yes, I am diligent in meeting the needs personally and my family and others around me as possible, that can bring a tremendous amount of contentment satisfaction. I'm doing what God has asked me to do. That will begin to, in verses 9 and 10, that will begin to sharpen my focus as I continue to, as I continue to focus on the spiritual, the eternal. That will sharpen my focus. In verses 11 to 13, and I'd like to just look at that a little bit again. It said, fight the good fight of faith. Do you notice in, in this context where he is talking about relating to the material things around us? Is it a battle? Isn't it a battle to keep my focus where it needs to be on the eternal? Fight the good fight of faith. You've been called to that. He says, fight. Fight. Takes work. Takes effort. Takes time. Flee. And he says, lay hold. Lay hold on what? Lay hold on the eternal. The things that have such a strong attraction to us in this life. We focus on so much and a tremendous temptation but sharpen that focus on the things that will will go beyond this life in verses 17 towards the end of the chapter he's talking about humility I trust that this at least has been a bit of an encouragement to you. And I'm thinking, to, uh, thinking especially about you as younger families in the struggle sometimes. Keep your head above water, as it were. And why do I have to spend so much time on these tangible things? Why do I have to work so hard? And I know that this is just going to keep right on going. This doesn't stop. How then can I, how can I make sure that I am diligent without getting caught up in this thing that it becomes my life?
just working, working, working to meet the needs of our families. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And it almost seems glib, doesn't it? Just seek God first. But that's where it, that's how it works. I'd like for you to repeat that with me. Verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That seemed a little half-hearted. Can you be a little bit more emphatic about that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you believe that now? Hold on to that. Follow that. Would you kneel to pray, please? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for continuing to meet our needs. Father, we thank you for all these young families in this congregation. And um, we can empathize with them in the struggle of the daily routine of life, working, supplying the needs of our families, of their families, and the the temptation to lose sight of why we are really on this earth. What are we here for? And I, I pray, Father, that you would just help each of us regardless of our place in life that we are in, to focus on the eternal, to seek you first, and to trust you for meeting our needs and for blessing us with the things that are needful for us. Thank you for these spiritual blessings, and I pray that we would focus on that, seeking you, following you, and blessing our families, being a good example to them in this very area. So bless us, give us direction, give us wisdom, give us joy in following your way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.